mean, that ball got out of here in a hurry. Just a bit outside. If anything travels that far, I'd have a damn stewardess on it, don't you think? It's time for Powell at the Park. One constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Cubs, Sox, all your Chicago baseball news. Dynamite drop in money. Here's your host, Kevin Powell. Play ball! Welcome into episode number four of the Powell at the Park podcast. I can't believe we're on week four already. Opening day is here. Opening week is here. It's a beautiful thing, and I just can't wait for baseball to start. Feels like uh, spring's been dragging a little bit the past few days here, so I'm just looking for some real baseball that actually matters. Uh, again, I appreciate everybody that's listening to the per- first few episodes of the Powell at the Park podcast. Had some some really great reactions, and I really appreciate everybody taking the time to to listen to the first few episodes. Um, on this week's episode, I feel like we've sort of exhausted the uh, storylines and I guess the conversations a little bit of... Um, I guess at this point of the spring, it's like, let's just get to baseball. Some storylines will begin to develop as the weeks go on and the games actually matter. So, you know, of course, there's some stuff to talk about. Um, I'll get to the important stuff in just one second, but uh, I just want to tease what's up on this week's episode. And that's a Joe Brand. If you don't know Joe Brand, you should know that name. Big things in the future for Joe. Big things already happening for Joe. Joe's a weekend sports anchor on WGN Radio. He's also the voice of the King County Cougars. Great guy. Um, met Joe at Illinois State, Fear the Bird. Um, he joined me, and he and I, uh, Joe follows baseball very closely. Uh, he saw a lot of these guys for the Cubs when, they were, when the Cougars were an affiliate with the Cubs. Grew up a Cubs fan, so he's got a good perspective on the whole baseball world, uh, particularly uh, here in Chicago. Um, So Joe and I kind of do a run-through of some of the things that we're keeping an eye on as the seasons get underway for both the Cubs and Sox. Uh, But anyways, that's coming up with Joe Brand. Now to the important stuff. I teased the hell out of this in last week's episode, and we're going to get to it today. And that is to break down the new food offerings at Guaranteed Rate Field. Now, every year, the White Sox will invite the media to come take a look at some of the new amenities throughout the park, and uh, we get to try some of the new food at the ballpark. It's a beautiful thing. It's always There's always a ton of media, because everyone's like, are you kidding me? We're getting free food. This is, this is awesome. So everybody shows up. There's camera crews. I'm always there. And uh, we basically eat, and uh, I will say this, and I don't think I'm... This is overblown reaction to what they've done at 35th and Shields. It, they weren't um, none of the uh, the to the actual ballpark amenities. There wasn't anything too drastic. There, the uh, the visitors clubhouse was completely redone. It was expanded and renovated. So there's new paint. There's new design. It's fresh. It's new. Um, so I, I I liked what they did. The clubhouse wasn't even that bad. So kudos to the Sox for going out of their way to. To freshen up an away team's clubhouse, um, so we saw that, and uh, pictures of all this stuff are at wgnradio.com. I posted a photo gallery, and there's pictures, a couple of photos of um, the new away team clubhouse, and there's pictures of the food that I'm about to describe to you, and uh, there's also a picture of this new batting cage virtual reality situation going on in the Sports Depot, which is that sports store. Right across the street on 35th, but it's still kind of attached to the ballpark, and it's close to the the uh, bar and grill that's also 
but was part of the ex- expansion. It's the whole VR headset you put on, and then you hold a bat, and the bat has like a million sensors on it. And you stand in this batting cage and uh, pretend to take batting practice. So we saw a little bit of that, and it was pretty cool. I think fans are going to like that. Kids will like that. But anyways, I thought that was pretty cool. All right, on to the food. I love talking ballpark food. So we'll start with the Cuban burger. This is how the Sox describe it. A juicy Glenmark all-beef hamburger patty topped with sliced ham, pork, sliced pickles, Swiss cheese, yellow mustard, and mojo sauce. You can catch it at the uh, sections 113 and 528. Um, I'm a fan of the Cuban burger. It's a whole lot of burger happening. I think what I liked most about it was that, uh, you know, when I burgers now, like, I think it's Joe Madden who says it, right? It's like, do simple better. And everybody now, you go to these bars and restaurants, and they want to put so many toppings on a burger. It's like pulled pork and onions and Fritos and whatever else they can stuff on onto a burger. And I and I've said for for a couple of years now, Ashaval on the West Loop is the best burger in Chicago, and it's not even close. I told Jake Berger he should go there because it's simple. They do the flat top, thin patties. You can get two or three patties. Um, they do American cheese, so you get a nice consistent melt from the cheese. You got some pickles. And they do like a garlic aioli mayo type situation. And that's pretty much it. And then you can add a fried egg if you want. I highly recommend it. You could add some pork belly. But it's not one of these burgers that's like loaded with so many toppings. And then you read it on a menu and it sounds great. And then they bring you it. And it's just a disaster. I mean, it's falling apart. You can't even eat the thing. You got to get a fork and knife to finish it off. So anyways, my point with the Cuban burger is that that sounds like a whole lot going on. But the way it's actually constructed, it's very well done. There's not too much hamburger and too little of the ham and the pork. It's a nice consistency of everything. It's a nice balance. So I appreciated that with the Cuban burger. I'll go B+. Plus. Sections, sections 113 and 528 if you're interested in the Cuban burger. Honestly, I'd recommend splitting it with someone. I mean, that thing's going to put a dent in you. So, you know, maybe half a Cuban burger and a Polish with extra onions, a little mustard. All right, moving on down the list. And uh, I didn't try everything that's new. Most of the sweets, I don't think they really even offered us samples, which is fine. Don't necessarily have a sweet tooth. More of the uh, salty, savory type guy. Johnsonville Specialty Sausages. Three new specific encased meats at Sox Park. The Slurve, the Change-Up, and the Cutter. The Slurve is the best option of the three. A juicy Johnsonville cheddar beer bratwurst topped with caramelized onions and spicy deli mustard. I mean, right when I read this, you know, we, we got to the park and uh, we were talking with media relations and they started handing out some of this information and I like snatched this sheet from her because I wanted to see what the new food offerings were going to be. And when I saw specialty sausages, that caught my eye, obviously. And when I read the all three of the options here, I knew the slurve would be the best. How are you going to screw up a cheddar beer bratwurst with caramelized onions and mustard? You can't screw that up, and they didn't. It's a very strong sausage. It's the best among these three. Up next, the change-up, a Johnsonville Chipotle Monterey Jack chicken sausage with zesty salsa fresca. Among the three, it's probably my least favorite. It's good. It's not bad. But it's basically a chicken sausage with salsa poured on top of it. 
It's pretty much what it is. And then the cutter, Johnsonville Southwestern Chorizo served with guacamole and cheese. And honestly, I like this one. I was kind of surprised. The chorizo's got a kick, a little cool-off situation with the guacamole. I think it's worth your time. But if you're uh, craving something different than a Polish sausage or a hot dog, and you want to go a little bit outside the box, I would go with the Slurve. All three of those options, again, 126 and Section 535. All right, let's get to some of the other uh, Levy restaurant stuff. That's mostly just club level and sweets. So I know not everybody's going to have a chance to try this. It's not like you can just show up and and try some of these uh, new features. But if you know a guy, you're in the club level, you're in the suites, just want to give you a little preview. The Buffalo Chicken Empanada. Maybe the sleeper pick of the new food offerings. Wasn't anticipating much uh, great things from the Buffalo Chicken Empanada. Pulled chicken served with spicy buffalo sauce, four cheese mix, and queso blanco dip. In the club level and sweets. I know when you read that, you might have been like, why would you think that's not going to be great? Empanadas are dangerous. If they sit out for a while, the crust, it ruins all consistency. It turns into like a rubbery mess. The insides are cold. Certain parts are hot. It's just, it's no good. This empanada, real strong. Highly recommend the new Buffalo Chicken Empanada. The sauce is kind of what made it. Some sort of queso blanco dip and a four cheese sauce. Big fan. One thing I didn't get a chance to try, and I'm kind of bummed about it, but hot chicken. Everywhere you go, it's hot chicken. Everybody's got hot chicken. Hot chicken this, hot chicken that. Hot chicken sliders. Nashville hot chicken served on a buttered brioche with Napa cabbage slaw and pickles. That's in the Huntington Bank Stadium Club. So, uh, didn't try them. I regret to inform you I did not try the hot chicken sliders, but I imagine they're pretty good. I don't know how you screw up hot chicken. All right, up next, this was intriguing when I when I saw these on the on the menu here, and they delivered knuckleballs. Provolone stuffed dough balls served with parmesan, garlic butter, and house-made sauce, like a red sauce. Uh, very strong. And honestly, this is something they should serve outside the club level or the stadium club because a lot of times I talk about, and we'll get to a little bit more on this when I get down the list here, like eating in the seats while you're watching a game in the middle of summer and you have to eat with a fork and knife, it's not the best. It's difficult. Almost guaranteed to get sauce or ketchup or whatever on your shirt. It's difficult. That's why I think these would be great for around the park. You're doing a quick lap. You get the knuckleballs, provolone stuffed dough ball. It's like um it's like a breadstick that's stuffed with cheese, but it's a ball. It's like the size of a golf ball. And it's stuffed with cheese. Very good. Very good. Fan of the knuckleballs. Uh next on the list, the meatball sub. I did not have a chance to try that, but it's a meatball sub. I mean, come on. The salad bowl. Now, I was at this event with a few other members of the WGN radio staff, Andy Mazur, your pregame White Sox host, and Dave Ennett, sports director, maybe the most healthy individual I know in my life. And we're all like feasting on sausages, Cuban burgers, knuckleballs, just down in knuckleballs left and right. I turn around. Mr. Cat, Mr. Health Freak, Dave Ennett, somehow found a salad 
What's a salad doing around here, Dave? It's a ballpark. Anyways, if you're interested in a salad, the Pozzoli Salad Bowl Healthy Mix, a chicken, cabbage, radish, cilantro, lime, and tortilla strips tossed in a vinaigrette. It's in the stadium club. I got to mix in a salad here and there. Got to do it during the week. Got to suffer. All right. Let's go to the main event here, folks. We heard about this last week. This particular item was listed as a uh, what the White Sox would be sending to the MLB Food Fest, which will be held in New York April 21st through the 22nd. As I had mentioned on a previous episode, I do hope that that becomes a traveling, a touring event around the country. It's uh, every team in Major League Baseball will feature an item, and it's a food fest. It's like you go to Wink Fest, you go to Rib Fest, you walk around, and you try all the different food, and there's crazy stuff. Like the Mariners are bringing grasshoppers, and Braves have some barbecue, and stuff that's, you know, the Cubs, again, thinking outside the box, they went with a hot dog. Groundbreaking stuff there. This is the Southside Horseshoe. And as I uh, also mentioned on a previous episode, I never really, I would never associate the White Sox with a horseshoe. It's apparently like a central Illinois thing. It's basically an open face sandwich. And this sucker, a locally made Italian sausage patty served open faced on thick cut garlic Texas toast with jardinere, hand cut fries, and modello cheddar sauce. It's available in the club level and the uh, stadium club. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's uh, one of those things you probably don't want to, don't want to eat uh, too often. But you know, if you're at if you're in the club level or the stadium club, and you happen to run into the Southside Horseshoe, I would say the uh, what stands out the ingredient that stands out in this uh, particular recipe, the Italian sausage patty. So I, I completely I completely glaze over the fact that it's a sausage patty. When I first read what this was made up of, I figured it was crumbled Italian sausage, which sounded good. I'm like, okay, I can do that. But it's a full-blown patty. Like, it's like a burger patty, but it's Italian sausage. It's outstanding. That was my favorite part. I'm not a huge, like, pile French fries on stuff, and then, like, I don't know. It just doesn't really work for me. The hand for, hand-cut fries didn't blow me away. Um, honestly, you could almost just do it like as a pile next to everything, but that's how the Southside Horseshoe comes. Um, so that's basically my full rundown. They do have the Affy Tapple Caramel Apples, Chocolate Caramel Pretzel Rods, Churro Ice Cream Sandwich, that sounds pretty good, and Organic Apple Strawberry Frozen Juice Cups, which, uh, you can buy at seat vendors. We'll be, uh, slinging juice cups this, this year. So that's kind of my rundown. I teased this a hard in episode three. I wanted to, to deliver, and uh, Media Day was success. I had 35th and Shields. So that's my rundown of the new food offerings at Guaranteed Rate Field. And by the way, I'm not being biased towards the Sox here. The reason I don't do this for the Cubs is because the Cubs don't have an event like this. They, they did a couple years ago, and I don't know. Maybe they took me off the list or something, but I haven't gotten any sort of email about... Um, and I'm sure they probably will, because I know a couple of years ago when the new clubhouse opened, we all toured that. And there's a ton of renovations at Wrigley again this year. So I'm sure at some point we'll get a full tour. And when we do, I'll uh, come back with a review. I don't know if we're necessarily going to have a food review, 
But uh, we'll talk about the new amenities at Wrigley if, uh, if we get the opportunity. So that's my review of White Sox, new food offerings at guaranteed rate, best food in all of Major League Baseball, I believe. I haven't been to every park, so it's kind of tough to make that claim. But basically everybody you hear from that's been to most parks say it's the best. It's tough to argue. Tough to argue. So that's uh, food offerings at guaranteed rate field this year for the 2018 season. I had a conversation with Joe Brand, and as I teased in the front end of the episode, Joe Brand, a WGN radio sports reporter and anchor, he anchors uh, Saturday mornings on WGN. He is the voice of the Kane County Cougars as well. He's a fellow Illinois State Redbird. Fear the bird. And uh, Joe and I had a good conversation, and we basically just previewed the Cubs and White Sox and kind of just talked about what we're keeping an eye on as this season begins to unfold. So for the Cubs, the uh, I guess if we're going to look at and nitpick at any question marks here for the Cubs, because it's 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 a, a full and complete roster. I guess my reservations would be still not completely sold on the bullpen, and I'm not all that worried about the leadoff spot. I know Cub fans for some reason seem fixated on who's going to be the leadoff man, when there probably isn't going to be a leadoff man, quote unquote leadoff man. It's going to be a rotation of players, and I think that's just fine. It's going to be Ian Happ. It's going to be Albert Elmora. It's going to be Ben Zobrist. Maybe we even see Schwarber a little bit. I'm curious in your thoughts on the leadoff spot, Joe, because I don't really have any worries when it comes to that slot. Although I think I think what happened is, is people saw it go from one extreme to the other. We saw Dexter Fowler two years ago, who was just just rakes at the leadoff spot. Everything it was, you go, we go. We know the whole story. The offense was driven by Fowler at the top, and then last year was a complete disaster because they opted to go with Kyle Schwarber at the leadoff spot for a large chunk of the season, and nobody really ever settled in on that spot, except for Anthony Rizzo. Um, and had a little bit of Wilson Contreras, too. Yes, a little bit of that. Well, I think, I think that's the biggest thing, is you never see a baseball team have inconsistency at the leadoff spot, let alone a good baseball team, let alone a great baseball team. And I think that's what made so many Cub fans just kind of go haywire last year, because Madden was so fixated on having Kyle Schwarber lead off. This is the way we're going to go. It's not old-school baseball anymore. Why do you want to put a guy like Kyle Schwarber to lead off his reasoning was he's your best hitter so let's get him his most at bats as possible which makes sense right. but how can't you make that same argument with a guy like Chris Bryant or a guy like Anthony Rizzo exactly and a perfect storm happens Kyle Schwarber just cannot hit the ball like he did in a shortened season of 2016 if you want to break down the the mechanics of him it just really looked like he was trying to pull everything trying to yank everything going down to AAA actually did help him out um, but I think them going into it this year and the Cubs not knowing who's going to lead off. And if they go in with the mindset of, we'll figure it out as we go along, then there's not too much pressure on one certain guy. And I think the top favorite that came out of the spring training was Ian Happ mm-hmm. because of how well of a spring training he's had. But there's a lot of Albert Almora fans out there, me being one of them. Yeah. Uh, just, And I, I kind of agree with you. If you're going to have Happ, if you're going to have Almora, if you're going to have Zobrist, those are all good choices. And I think if the Cubs have a platoon in the leadoff spot, if that can work, then then just go with that. The fact that they went in with Kyle Schwarber, this is our guy, there's no way Because how many times did Madden back himself up even when Schwarber was struggling last year? 
And what resulted? He went to down to AAA. So that's not a guy you can have leading off consistently. So I think going into it this year, it's, it's a little bit of a better approach. With it being a little bit of an unknown. Yeah, and Cub fans are, I feel like, are all in on Ian Happ and Albert Elmore, just like you. So I'm, I'm curious this season to see if either one of those guys forces Madden's hand and he, Madden starts cutting into Hayward's playing time in right field. So we're getting in year three here, and I get the argument of keeping Hayward out there. He's a hell of a defender. He basically shuts down right field, and the Cubs' offense is normally good enough to cover for his issues at the plate. I know they were better last year compared to two seasons ago, but they still weren't very good, and he's making more mechanical adjustments and whatever, blah, blah, blah. We've heard the same story now from Hayward the past three years. I'm just curious if, okay, they're, they kind of... They all kind of get together and like, okay, these are two important key players moving forward. We got to be careful that we're not limiting their experiences or limiting at bats or limiting reps in outfield. Like, do you could you see them potentially cutting into Hayward's time? I can, I can, because I think the notion of Jason Hayward needs to play every day because of how much money he's making and how much defensively he helps out the Cubs is is no longer a story. I think it's the fact that he cannot hit the ball. Like you said, he did improve. I mean, a two fifty nine batting average in, in 2017, that's awfully a lot better than two. He did have a positive war. He did. But much of that's it, defensive. But the thing is, going into this year, and it's somewhat similar to the Schwarber leading off situation, not, not Schwarber's all-around bat, not... Nobody's relying on Jason Hayward. Everyone wants him to get better. Everyone wants him to improve and become the hitter that the Cubs thought he would be. But nobody's relying on that to happen. Unfortunately, it's almost like the cherry on top if it happens at this point. Exactly, and it's it's you're right. It's an overcrowded outfield, You've which got, is a good problem to have. It is. It's been nothing but basically good problems for the Cubs over the past couple of years. But the, the unfortunate the unfortunate thing is the two odd men out in some sense, are Ian Happ and Albert Almora because they are not the players that have the everyday, uh, I guess, expectancy from the front office and the coaching staff at this moment. They'd like to see if they can get to that point. But again, they're log-jammed with Jason Hayward in right and a little bit of Kyle Schwarber in left. So I I would like to see Albert Almora get a, a daily basis because he's a guy I think can be the everyday player. Ian Happ is more of a so much of a utility role. You can use him in the infield if you need to. You can use him in left, right, or center. But Elmora is just so solid and complete defensively. He hits well against lefties. He's just definitely that speed guy you could use at the top of the lineup, even if that is an old way of thinking of a, of a baseball lineup. But I, I just, I really would like to see Albert Elmore get a lot more playing time this year. We're on the doorsteps of opening day, Joe. Top of mind for you, Joe Brand. Going into the Cubs season, the 2018 Cubs, what are you first thinking of? Whether it's a whether it's a question mark or whether it's a level of excitement? Well, I mean, you mentioned the leadoff spot, but I, I really think another big part is the the bullpen. I mean, the main reason they got as far as they did in the postseason was because of Wade Davis. And the way the playoffs are Arguably working, the MVP last year. Oh yeah, 100%. 100%. And, and th- that's the thing. Baseball these days, in the postseason, everything relies on your bullpen. Because I don't know what it is with, with managers just getting so antsy about yanking guys and, and making a change just to not have that hindsight. But Apparently now, late-inning relievers are so huge in postseason baseball. Mm. I do like what the Cubs did because of this. They don't have... I mean, Brandon Morrow is going to be the closer. That That's the plan. 
But he doesn't have to be the closer. You do have Steve Ciszek. You do have Mike Montgomery. You do have C.J. Edwards. Why not maybe go a platoon route there? Not not so much every single time, but it's shown that in the postseason you need your late-inning guys. You need guys who can shut down the ball game in the most intense situation. So why not give these quote-unquote closers a bit of a breather throughout the regular season, keep them a little bit more fresh, and have somewhat of a late-inning bullpen by committee. I don't want to say closing committee by committee, but give these guys more time, more rest, so that they're more available to get everything done in the postseason. I still don't trust C.J. Edwards. Until he can throw strikes consistently, I don't have any trust in him. Yeah, in the postseason, I would totally agree with you there. We know the sort of stuff he has, and it's dominant. Mm -hmm. We saw it in the postseason. We'd come in and three up, three down, nasty stuff, and then the next game he can't throw a strike. A hanger to to Bryce Harper that went bye-bye very, very quickly. I remember that one. Yeah. I mean, I like I do like the moves they made. I like how they didn't totally sell out on Wade Davis. See, I think they should have re-signed I, I remember you saying that. Because I, he projects long-term. He's not a guy that's just a thrower. He knows how to pitch. He's got four pitches in his arsenal. The guy understands it. He gets it. What was his deal with Colorado? Four years? There's a, there's a four-year vesting option, I believe. But it's three years, and it's large enough. I mean, when it comes down to it, it's, it's obviously the money. I, I get why you say that. I I'm not surprised. Well, that how they much didn't. better would you feel if you had Davis and oh, Morrow 100%, in the hundred percent, hundred percent. It would be it would be like this team has has zero weaknesses right now, as if they already don't. But you know, I mean, it, with Davis and Morrow, it's, it's almost punch it's, 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 it's almost unfair. Yeah. I mean, that's that's basically Morrow and Jansen. It, it, it essentially is. I, but I again. It, <laughs> You make the argument they got to look into the future. I guess you can't really say that with with the giant contract to you, Darvish. But I mean, starters are more valuable than closers. And do you have a win total projection and uh, a long term projection here? I'm never I'm never good with those things. But honestly, Kev, I mean, they look really freaking good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's no surprise, but it's just the rotation is just so solid, so complete coming into this year more so than last year. Uh, you know a lot more things with guys like Jason Hayward, uh, Addison Russell, Kyle Schwarber. The Ian Happ situation, I did kind of want to bring it up. Uh, great article by Sahad of Sharma of The Athletic. Have you seen some of the things that Ian Happ is doing, like specifically what he's trying to improve on? One is, I mean, he's a switch hitter. He's trying to work on his uh, right-handed hitting, which will be against left-handers, which... Elmora is so good at. So he's almost trying to up his value in that regard against Elmora. He's working on agility training. He's he's making his body more of a center fielder and able to cover a lot of ground throughout a long season of time. He's trying to beat Albert Almora in that position. That's what I gathered from that article. I, I could be way off, but it just seems like this guy is just so focused on being the guy for the Chicago Cubs this year. That's the kind of mindset that every team wants, and I really think that could pay off dividends for them this year. You've already seen what he's able to do in spring training. 92 wins for the Cubs last year, so 93, 94, 95 wins. Did you go that far? I mean, the division has has improved. I, I guess so, yeah. I, I, I'm totally speaking optimistically here, but 
I, I just they they have improved so much from last year is what I've gathered. I everything last season was reflecting on a championship, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing or what they did wrong, but all the talk was reflecting on, on the first World Series in 108 years. So now it was tinkering and improving, and I just really like the approach they went, and it's just really hard to see them do worse. Got to figure they'd have more than 92 wins, but I think it's pretty safe to say that uh, we're all in on the fact that they're probably going to win the division again, yep. likely heading back to the NLCS. Okay, that's Cubs talk. Let's do a little White Sox action here. Um, for me, I guess the biggest thing we're all obviously keeping an eye on is individual growth this year. Yoan Moncada, what's he going to do in his first full season? Lucas Giolito was damn impressive in the spring. He's to me was probably the guy who stood out the most to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess let's go back to what I initially asked you with the Cubs. Do you think 2018 White Sox? What's the first thing that comes top of mind to you? Well, definitely uh, what guys are able to do in their first full season. You mentioned Yoan Moncada, uh, Lucas Giolito, Carson Fulmer. I mean, those are three pivotal guys of this organization that. Uh, are really going to rely on how successful the team is in the next coming years. You said it, Lucas Giolito had a fantastic spring. I got the numbers right here. A 204 ERA, 17 strikeouts, 4 walks, 17 innings. And he's just taken the media by storm with with his personality and his way to to be well-versed with everybody. And that's a guy that you really would like to see at the top of the rotation, just to have it mentally there. And he's talked about having you know, a quick uh, what, what's an easy, forgetful memory when, when things go wrong and when things go well. I like his body frame. He, he's a big guy, but he's not too big. He's not as lanky as, as a Chris Sale type. But it's just he just seems like he really has it all together. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to see what happens until the year starts. Carson Fulmer is a guy I could maybe see going back to AAA uh, after a few outings yeah, this I'm year. Yeah, I'm interested to see if that's going to happen. It's been a, a lot of command issues with Fulmer this spring and he kind of bounced back a little bit in his last couple starts but you know, I don't know for a guy like that how much it benefits bouncing back and forth between AAA. I mean, right. He's going to get rocked. I, I like the idea of keeping Hector Santiago as basically their swingman. He's the White Sox version of Mike Montgomery, mm-hmm. where he's going to give them long inning relief out of the bullpen, but he can also spot start if they want to give one of these younger guys arm, arms a rest. Um, Fulmer is the guy I'm most anxiously waiting to see what happens with him this season, particularly early on, because didn't have the best spring, mm-hmm. and you you can't put a whole lot of stock in the spring. We've said that over and over and over again. But um, a lot of command issues. So I'm really, really interested to see how Fulmer starts his season. And I'm interested to see how long of a leash the White Sox have for him. They're going to say, well, we'd rather just keep you up here. We're not trying to win games anyways. If it is about individual player growth, is it better just to have him around and have Don Cooper in his ear? instead of bouncing back and forth. So uh, that's one of the things I'm really interested to see is how Carson Fulmer um, responds to getting the fifth starting spot and not being demoted. Maybe that helps him out a little bit. I don't think it's a confidence issue anyways with him, but can't hurt to know I agree. He uh, he seems like he's got a very solid head on his shoulders. He does, yeah. And and the other thing is the timing might work out so well for him in the White Sox this year because a lot of people think he's, he's better suited as a reliever. So why not? give him this year to see what he can do in the rotation. You mentioned the command issues. I mean, he's still got the stuff, though. So why not just give him a no-pressure situation 
pitching for this White Sox rebuilding team this year. See how he does in the long run. Maybe test him out in the bullpen a little bit. Just just get him out there and see how he's able to transition to that type of role. Uh, you look at his track record, though. I mean, he's from Vanderbilt. The White Sox are always great at grooming pitchers. Yeah. So you really don't see why he can't succeed. But it almost seems like the timing of this year could work out best to his benefit. That is episode number four of the Paula at the Park podcast. Really appreciate you tuning in. Thanks to Joe Brand for joining me for some Cubs and White Sox talk. Happy opening day. Happy opening week. Uh, Let's enjoy some baseball and have some fun this season. Uh, Thanks again to Joe, and I hope you enjoyed the food talk. I don't know. I've got to kind of gauge the audience and see if people are liking my rants about ballpark food. But I enjoyed it. See if you you enjoyed it as well. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day. And... uh, Subscribe on iTunes. Have a good one. Thanks.